0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment,
1: and I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than thirty minutes, so let's get started. So this summer, as uh, most summers have, are filled with, um, there's been a you know a sizable amount of speculation and rumor mongering um, around what the new iPhones will look like this fall, um, and. You know, this fall this, or this summer has been particularly interesting. I think as uh, we got way more details than we normally do from the the HomePod uh, firmware leak. But what I thought would be interesting to dive into um, this week is to talk a little bit, not necessarily specific, a little bit of maybe about what we're expecting to, to happen this fall, but I think more generally, an interesting discussion around making apps and developing apps and designing apps in a way to accommodate the varying screen sizes that we have to deal with because um, you know I think as we're as of right now we have if you're making a an app that say supports iOS 10 um, so in terms of which which devices are knocked out from it you have to deal with the the iPhone 5 size the iPhone 6 size the iPhone 6 plus size um, on the iPad side there's the um, three sizes of ipad f- size physically there's the big pro baby pro and then regular Oh no, there's four there now because there's the new P- ipad pro size as well um you may or may not have to also deal with different resolutions you know we now if we have uh i think we've eliminated on ios 10 all non-retina devices yes i think i think we finally got rid of the ipad 2 which was the one that was holding us back on that mm-hmm. uh, so now we have 2x and 3x and it's a lot of it's a lot of devices and i mean i'm sort of as a bit of like going back in history like i remember i remember distinctly developing my initial applications you know on in, in a world where and and developing an app for that then iphone os you know it was, it was 320 by 480 like that was it that was the in like my entire world was in, fit into 320 by 480 like that was um the screen size forever for you know for years and it made a lot of things a lot very straightforward, like when i 'm coming up with a design, I just have to see does it fit in this sc- in this screen size if i 'm doing localization testing you know does you know when I load up German, do any of my strings uh overflow and get truncated? All I have to do is look on one screen size um, and you know that was nice for a while, and then we got the iPhone four and then introduced retina. Um, which at the time was this sort of this genius way to make the screen better and in some ways show more on it. Um, but as a developer to do almost no work, um, you know, the retina transition was in a lot of from a de- design perspective, fairly straightforward, mostly what it just required um, was re rendering some assets to be more detailed. But the actual, you know, the layout and design stuff for a retina and non retina was fairly minor, maybe you could have gotten away with slightly smaller fonts and a few other sort of tricks like that um just because you have a bit more resolution but overall it wasn't too bad and then we got the iphone f- uh, 5 which introduced the you know the, the tall version of that basically um which again wasn't too bad um of a transition because it was because mo- a lot of layouts um tend to be flexible vertically um you know that at the time anyway you know, you'd, you'd have a lot of Like the obvious example is in like a table view where it doesn't really matter how tall you make it. The width is the thing that is much more constraining and you tend to design around. And then the iPhone 6 rolls around and like it all just falls apart because now we have support for the old versions of all these old screens. And now we have these new screens. And then on the iPhone um, 6 Plus, all we have is the 3X mode. It's also really big, and in theory, though, I don't think it actually really. See, it didn't seem to really take on in a way that I think Apple was hoping for. It was supposed to also have a very a more common landscape use for most apps, um, and they were trying to push that a little bit with the way that like that it was a phone that you could use in either orientation. But still, there's a lot of things that we have to deal with when we're having to to navigate that. And I mean, I'm in the process of finishing up a big update and just got a whole bunch of new localization strings in. And it takes a non-substantial amount of time to go through my app in all the different screens and on all the different test devices I have to make sure it looks good in a variety of different languages. And um, there's that kind of practical side. Um, but on the design side, it gets really hard because I often struggle with this sort of this, this tension between do, we want, do I want to make my, optimize my app for one size in particular um, you know the whatever the most common screen size is, which I think for me and for my phones is the or for my apps is the six slash iPhone the iPhone six and the iPhone seven size, the sort of the small modern, the smaller of this the, mod, the two modern big sizes. That's what I see most of, and do I want to optimize for that? I think for me it's about fifty percent of my users are on that screen size, um, or do I need to and just sort of like scale up and scale down the other two? Or should I try and be more flexible? And is this is this constant source of stress? And then, of course, now as I start to think about this fall, and we get these 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 wide reports of a new size. Um, at least it's only one size, which I got to say I'm slightly encouraged by that. It isn't there's not two new um, screen sizes, but there's going to be this whole new screen size, um, and it sounds and this this one sounds like pretty different and and potentially with some kind of odd and interesting quirks to it you know in terms of it may have a cutout into the top of the screen which we didn't have to deal with before and um it may be edge to edge and so now you have to deal with margins where you know you people you, need, you can't go put your content all the way to the edge if the display goes all the way to the edge because um now you then you'd have problems with people accidentally touching things and so it's going to be an interesting fall but it's an interesting journey and it's something that I think is, is worth un- unpacking because um, it's – I mean, this is not even to get into the iPad side. Like the iPad is a mess <laughs> in, in, in my experience because there you even have – not only do you have full screen apps, but you also now have uh partial screen apps and partial screen apps of so many different sizes and widths that – I mean, ultimately with anything I do on the iPad, it's just sort of it's like – make things as absolutely fluid as possible, try and not worry too much about it, and just hope for the best because that's the best I've been able to come up with. I think it is worth uh, diving into
0: the iPad a little bit more, though, because it, it it does relate in some ways to the realities of designing a modern app for multiple screen sizes because you know, when, when Apple introduced universal uh, layout, and I forget exactly when this main thing was, maybe like around iOS 7 or 8, uh, when they introduced this concept of like you know you don't have a separate iphone and ipad interface anymore now you like use a split view controller or something like that and you have just one interface that adapts itself to whether it's running on a phone or an ipad and the reason why is because when you resize ipad apps in, in multitasking modes they can get super skinny in, in one of the modes and like where it's like the sidebar app and in that mode it basically is running a phone layout but then if you make it half screen or full screen or two-thirds screen or whatever, then it'll adapt an iPad layout. So like, you kind of had this need all of a sudden to, to make your iPad app be able to scale down to iPhone sizes um, and, and while running and, and then scale back up at, you know, as necessary, um, which was certainly not easy to do in other ways. And so you know, Apple bringing out uh, these adaptive UI things actually helped out quite a bit. Um, and then also Apple and the market Push us very heavily to just use universal apps to to no longer do the thing that we that many of us did you know when the iPad first came out of you have a separate iPad app and an an iPhone app like even in the store they're separate apps. Um, These days, the market and Apple are strongly encouraging people to have one universal app that runs on every size phone and every size iPad and can transition between the sizes while running and. This, if you try to do this, as I said, if you, if you try to do this without universal layout stuff like split views um, and some of the size class-based things that we have in the, in the APIs, it can be remarkably difficult and, and not worth doing at all. Um, and, then, and if you do it with the universal API stuff, it's still not easy. It's just less difficult. So, so because you, you have problems like, you mentioned the, the 6 pluses landscape mode, um, or you know, I guess now the seven, you know that the f- the five point five inch screen uh, landscape mode on the phone that kind of treats split views like iPad layouts, and so you have this little tiny skinny bar on the left and slightly less skinny bar on the right. Um, that messes up universal layouts like crazy. Uh, you have different things like certain layouts will work in portrait on the iPad but will bomb out horribly in landscape, or vice versa. Um, you have different again. Rotation itself is a whole different problem with screen sizes, basically, um, because the aspect ratio of your app can change, and you have to be able to accommodate that in most cases. Um, and so, what this always leads me back to is, and I haven't always followed this advice. In fact, I almost never follow this advice. But it's it's something I keep in the back of my head that you are really rewarded in this in this problem domain here by sticking to standards sticking to ui kit stock layouts stock components uh not trying to be too fancy with custom stuff you know this was helped tremendously with uh the move away from textured bitmapped interfaces from ios 6 and earlier once ios 7 came out and everything was basically just big white bars with text um and and there there wasn't a lot of like pixel perfect design anymore that has helped us a lot because if you're still doing pixel-perfect, graphics-heavy design, you have to do so much more work for all these new screen sizes. And every time a new screen size comes out, you have to do more work. Whereas if you have a more v- visually simple and more flexible, more web-like layout uh, in, your, in your UI, then when a new phone comes out or a new iPad comes out, you might not have to do any real work on the UI uh, to get it to work. So in order to, make, to keep this manageable especially for individuals like us where like we don't have a huge team like Instagram does although well they're bad example since they still don't have an iPad app uh, but, but you know we don't have a huge team like some of these big companies do that can that can throw 15 20 100 engineers at at their iOS apps and and somebody has a team responsible for adapting to new screen sizes no it's just us and adapting to new screen sizes is not something that we should be spending a ton of our time on uh, it's not it's not a great use of our time. That 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 should be something that we keep as simple as possible so we can focus on other stuff about our apps. And so it is we are very well rewarded by using stock stuff, by not altering it too much, by not customizing it too much, by not hacking around or relying on things being a certain size. You know, when the iPhone 5 came out, as you mentioned, like because it was mostly just like, well, it's the same width, but just add another table row. Like, it was, like, 88 points taller, so that's, you know, two two, two toolbars or a table row, basically, right? And it's, it, it was very, very easy to to adopt to that, and because most apps, you know, had the scrolling table view. But the ones that didn't, the ones that had, like, you know, the big graphical things, some of those apps are still running Letterboxd today. <laughs> some of them are still not updated. Even like, even, like, the Tesla app was not updated for the screen size for a very long time, like modern apps that that are being updated like or you know banking apps like they're famous like it, it, the reason they haven't updated in a lot of these cases or the reason it takes so long is because it's hard for them so the the best thing we can do is keep it easy for us you know don't don't get too crazy with hacking ui kit or with making custom layouts that can't be very easily adapted to new screen sizes new aspect ratios new arrangements but it all it also is worth as you mentioned uh considering what we should be optimizing for. You know, and in in my designs, I try very hard to just optimize for the middle case, you know, for for the most. You know, I, my, my analytics uh, basically reflect what you said about yours, which is like about half the people are using the 4.7 inch screen size. And unfortunately, the other half is split pretty well between the iPhone SE, you know, 4-inch f- uh, size and the the plus phone 5.5 inch size. So I don't really, I can't really lean one way or the other on that. Like I have to design for the middle, but also be really sure it works on both sides. And one of the concerns I had when choosing my own device even is like I, when, I was, when I was weighing whether I wanted to get a plus size phone or not, one of the downsides of getting a plus size phone for me is that I would, my own use of the app would be skewed a little bit towards this large screen. And that's not what most my users are using. And because I have a self-designed app, it's I think it's, it's, it's important for me to be using what the most of my customers are going to be using so that I can design it for that. Um, so that's another consideration in, in
1: here. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, because I think from an optimization perspective, like the the, the the only sane approach that I've really been able to land on is to optimize for one device. like, And that's what I'm making my layout for. And then, in my technical approach, do make no assumptions about the size of things and make everything um, essentially scale up and scale down uh, between the bigger phone and the smaller phone. So, like, optimize for the midpoint, just like you said. And especially because the mid, the mid, it works out well. The middle size is the most used size. Um, and so you can optimize for that. And then most of my code is structured such that you can give it any arbitrary height or width and it will you know adjust the the frames and the layout accordingly but it's doing essentially just a, a dumb scaling of that it's not radically changing things it's not like when you go down to the small one suddenly you know the controls that were laid out side by side are now on top of each other and it's taller like I've never gone down that road and instead it's basically just... Have things scroll up, you know, sort of scale up and down, but not doing it in the way that it looks bad, and you know, it's not, it's not rendering it at a small size and then you know squishing it up or down, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's just making everything a little bit bigger and smaller, and then usually it's just a question of adding a few um, adjustments to, or to make sure you know labels don't get truncated and so on, but anything other than that can just, in my experience, just become so unwieldy um, to try and keep track of. And it's just too much work and, you know, things to think of. And I mean, in some ways it reminds me of the way that I design uh, watchOS apps. So on watchOS, we have the same problem, but in a slightly different way where, you know, there's two different watch sizes, um, you know, a big one and a small one. And in that case, I actually design my apps for the small size. And then the way watchOS is designed, is, you know, geared and designed, um, it'll, sort of almost naturally just expand out to fill the, the bigger 42 millimeter size watches. And it seems to work pretty well. Um, is it an approach that it's like, it's not perfect. It's definitely one of these things where I think you have to just become okay with the fact that you're not, you, 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 it's, Probably impractical to have a perfect layout and design that is, you know, I mean, people, when I, when I, the more I go down the design world, you know, road, I start to run into all these terms and things where it's like things are on, you know, eight pixel grids and like there's terms that you start to get into for like how people are being very precise in their layout. And it's like, I tend to do something sort of like that, like he'll do a fairly precise layout to make sure the aesthetics are perfect um, on that middle size, and then things just sort of scale up and down accordingly, and that works. I mean, and it's probably a fair place to confess, too, that I also don't use size classes in any of my apps. You're not missing much. At all? (laughs) They're such a pain. (laughs) Yeah, like, (laughs) I mean, because size classes, storyboards, um, like the crazy advanced stuff that you can do in nib files now, like... There's all this stuff that is theoretically possible to do there. Where, you know, when I look, when you open up a file in Interface Builder or an Interface Builder file in Xcode now, um, you see, you know, you can like sh- look at this layout in this phone size, this phone size, this layout, this layout. I mean, you have this huge array of options there. And it's like, that's just so cumbersome to me. And it's especially because those kind of files are so opaque. You know, I, just, I mean, I've said it before on the show. It's like I just do all my layout in view did, viewable layout subviews and there's a bunch of math and it just sort of sits there. And as long as I don't hard code any values, if all the values are relative and parametric so I can um, change them, you know, so I, every now and then we'll have something where it's like in on the small phone, you know, decrease the padding amount um, a bit more than you do on – a bigger phone or things like that. But in general, like taking that approach where it's very straightforward and simplistic is the only approach that I found that keeps me sane because otherwise there's just too many things to think about. And it's optimizing for something that I don't know, maybe for different, for, for other apps, it would be super important. But in general, I find that it, you know, a, a really well thought out, well conceived design for the middle case Tends to scale pretty well up and tends to scale pretty well down. Um, if it doesn't, that's probably an indication that it's a bad design in the first place, rather than th- the need to be like, okay, well, let's do this totally different thing on this size. Let's do this totally different thing on this size. Um, and so that's you know that's the approach I take, and it seems to work pretty well. I mean, maybe if I you know spent more time optimizing it, it would be better. But I mean, the reality too is like you said, it's hard because I'm only i've I've tried doing having like multiple phones so that I switch between on a regular basis um you know in terms of it's hard if you don't use a phone or a layout on a regular basis to really um know what's gonna fit f- f- you know feel good there and and be nice because as much as it's you know when I'm developing i am constant, you know on a regular basis I'm cycling through uh which simulator I'm running it on or what iPhone I'm testing on um in you know at my desk but it's never going to be the same as if i was actually using that phone on a day-to-day basis using the app in regular use and unless i am willing to do that um which can get complicated and awkward and some of the things that have held me back from doing that before are getting slightly better in ios 11 with the syncing of health kit data and things but still you have all the issues with like what's you know which phone is your Apple Watch paired to, or do you pair a different watch to each phone and just hope for the best and hope it all syncs out? But um, in general, I find like I'm just going to pick pick one, I'm going to optimize for it, and then that's hopefully just sort of good enough.
0: Yeah, because you know you have to you have to draw a line somewhere. You know, as as indies, like it's, like it's like how much time do we have? How much money do we have for devices? How much of a hassle is it to switch between them? You know, one of the things I, I usually do is most of my simulator use i use the smallest device so i use like the iphone se for the phone and use a 38 millimeter for the watch um and then on you know on my actual devices i have a 42 millimeter watch and i have the 4.7 inch phone and so uh, because about half of my design and development is on the simulator and about half is on the device i get a decent blend there i also you know because again like failing on a small device i feel like is is a worse failure mode than not looking great or not taking advantage of a big device so my my standalone testing devices you know my main phone which is to, which i do most of my testing on is the 4.7 inch um, but also on my desk in a charging dock all the time is an iphone 5s and so whenever i need to test something that i think might be slow or might where like i need to see how it fits on 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 the small screen like in my hand not just in the simulator i just i, I kick it over the iphone 5s and there you know i can't like take this phone outside and do anything there's, there's no sim i don't have any service on it It's just an old iphone 5s but it is like a physical device of the smallest size that, that my app supports uh, that is useful for testing i don't have a 38 millimeter watch just because i don't you know my watch apps aren't that important to me so it's not that big of a deal i feel like you know the the uh, simulator is good enough for that um and similarly with ipads i don't have a 12.9 inch ipad pro because like this is another area really you know you have to kind of figure out like for your app like if, if hardly anybody uses it on the watch or hardly anybody uses it on the iPad, you don't really need to invest too much in optimizing those. Like, the Overcast interface on the iPad is fine in landscape and pretty rough in portrait. And the main reason why is because almost no one uses Overcast on the iPad. And I used to optimize like crazy for it. And it was tons of overhead, tons of code, tons of testing, tons of bugs. Um, and trying, to minimize, trying to manage the universal layout between portrait uh, modes on the iPad. And so when I redesigned the layout for 3.0 with the little slidey pane thing, I kind of half-assed the iPad portrait v- version because almost no one uses it. And it was going to be a huge ordeal to try to fix that. So now if you launch Overcast and Portrait on the iPad, you get these this giant expansive white space that includes the play controls and a little square thing above it for artwork um and to fix that again would be so much work I, I just decided this isn't worth it to me and you just you have to do that you know with with some of these things like if no one uses something that's just you know that's something you have to do but you know make it make it usable but it doesn't have to be pretty this episode of one of the Radar is brought to you by zojo zojo is a cross-platform development tool for creating native apps for desktop mobile web and raspberry pi zojo currently supports mac os windows linux ios and even android coming soon With Zojo, you just write one version of your app. So, for example, you can write it on the Mac, and then you check a checkbox, and you can have a completely native Windows version as well. And Zojo apps use native controls, so your app looks at home on every platform. So you'll be able to build apps ten times faster, which will save you time and money. Zojo is great for everyone, from newbies to professional developers. It's currently used by over 300,000 developers worldwide, from students to Fortune 500 companies. So go take a look at their site, and you will see just how many companies you know use Zojo. It's free to use, and licenses are required to build standalone applications. So you can see for yourself, try it out for free. Go to zojo.com, that's X-O-J-O dot com, slash radar to find out more. And listeners of this show can get 20% off any license with the code radar. Thank you so much to Zojo for their support of this show.
1: So the thing that probably makes sense to wrap up talking about is a little bit of expectations for what's going to happen in a few weeks when the new iPhones um, are released, because... I will say one of the things that does drive me crazy um, is when we're in a cycle like this where, you know, we had WWDC and, you know, Apple laid a few hints. Maybe there's a few little APIs that are kind of indications that things are going to be different. Um, But then we spend the summer working and, you know, we're working on updates for iOS 11 and, you know, just trying to be all ready. And then in the back of my mind, I know that I'm developing an app without knowing a big important aspect of, of how this will ultimately be used that like there is this information that exists in the world that I do not have that I can't really make a, a make any choices about uh, in the meantime about and so there's it always leads to this kind of this mad rush in the sense that you know what I expect will happen is sometime in early September um, probably the, the first Wednesday or the second Tuesday of um, September, there'll be an event. Apple will announce it. They'll, hey, you know, show all this fancy new stuff on the new phone is why they expect they'll have a new layout. And then a few hours later, there's be a new version of Xcode that comes out that includes a simulator for that screen size and probably a little bit of documentation about how we're supposed to deal with it, if there's weird constraints or things that we have to do, um, the way we, sim- we indicate to the OS that we're sort of ready for it because typically what Apple has always done is when there's a new screen size, you have to actively opt into it, um, and if you don't, you are you just run in kind of a compatibility mode where you know typically the phone will report to your app that the screen is whatever the sort of the biggest size that would fit inside of the um, the you know, the new phone size, and so you kind of get tricked into thinking, oh, I can just run like I'm running on a plus size or a regular or a, or a four inch size. Um, and then we'll kind of have this bad rush, and then um, I'll probably be getting up in the middle of the night to pre-order a phone so that I can actually try this out in real life. Launch day, iPhone launch day will happen, in which case, you know, I'm frantically waiting for my UPS box or if I'll I probably, I used to go and wait in line at the Apple store in the middle of the night, but I think I'm, I'm getting too old for that. So I'll just wait around for the UPS guy and then just kind of like hope that, you know, grab the phone as soon as it comes. The first thing I do is I – which is kind of sad in some ways when you get this brand new phone that's super cool. Like the first thing I do is I run downstairs into my office plug it in and just launch all my apps and see if you know see how broken they are because inevitably something's different than from the simulator. Um, and this is kind of the cycle that I'm expecting. And it's a little annoying and a little frustrating, but you know, that's probably what we have to look forward to uh, for us in the middle of September this year. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, it's like, that's kind of all we can do. Right. And this is, it's going to be one of those
0: things like depending on how different it is from what we've seen before, you know, like there's speculation about this status bar notch and this possible function area on the bottom and if these things are are accessible to developers in some ways we're probably going to have to do some work to adopt to that and i would i would guess based on how things have gone in the past this is another one of those areas where if you stick with stock controls you are better off and apple is kind of pushing you into sticking with stock controls you know for things like if for example you know bars scroll under the status bar tabs uh, up there up top or if bar button items from navigation bars get put in the function area, as some of the, some designers have speculated. Like, if that kind of thing happens, you need to be using the standard controls, probably, to take advantage of those. So, like, again, keeping things standard and not messing with them too much is almost certainly going to help you with transitions like this. So, I guess if there's a theme to this, it, it would be, don't mess around too much with custom layouts, because the standard stuff, Apple tends to you know force us into over time uh to to get the best stuff or to have flexible layouts or to to not have tons of headaches um so with that uh I guess that's the end of the episode,
1: yeah, and I think we just look forward to a uh a slightly frantic middle of September, but otherwise, hopefully if we've been flexible enough in our designs and you know code it shouldn't be too bad, I can definitely say that the transition. Um, has gotten easier over time because I've learned the lesson to not hard code anything you know like I remember distinctly going through my app in the first like the first when I think it was the iPhone 4 came out I remember going through and searching for three you know searching for 320 yep. um all over my app and like shift f 320 <laughs> okay, like finding all these places <laughs> that I was hard coding values that I learned don't do that you know pull it from the screen or pull it from the view rather than uh, having a hard coded value and if we've done that we sh- we should be in good shape All right, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: Bye.